Impressive Podcast from Impact 89FM. Fourth straight game, counting back to last year, under Lloyd Carr, starting with the debacle at Ohio State mm-hmm. and USC and Appalachian State, and the Oregon Ducks. Quack, quack, quack. I'm quacking all night, baby. 39-7. to Michigan loses. We're not going to rub the dirt in the wound any more than it has to be. I'll make some comments, though, because some Michigan players have made some comments and guarantees that I'd like to examine a bit later this hour. Uh, you must note that uh, Michigan's 0-4 since uh, Schembechler's passing. The ghost <laughs> of Bo Schembechler. They, they, should, uh, they should have cryogenetically frozen him or something, DiMaggio-style. Uh, Joe Baum, Michigan State soccer coach. He did not lose this weekend. He won two matches. Now he has 300 career wins. He's been coaching at Michigan State now his 31st season. So i got to show some love to Coach Joe Baum. Michigan State soccer, 300 wins. How, how opportunistic. The movie 300, Sparta. And, <laughs> and, Joe, and Joe Baum wins. Do you, do you like that at the, at the football game? Yeah. Sparta. <laughs> it definitely brings a good atmosphere to the game, something new. They play a, a video clip from, from that movie 300 at the, at the games, and it's the, all they, they scream Sparta, and then they do the hoo, hoo. What is your profession? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that is, that is great. I really do enjoy that at the games. I really do enjoy that Michigan State is 2-0. We'll get to the Spartans about midway through the hour. We've got some more important business. It's just a winning weekend. Michigan State women's golf. Some great young ladies over there. I must commend them. I was out there working yesterday and interviewing them. All those interviews on msuspartans.com. That's where that information is located. Always tons of audio interviews with all sports. msuspartans.com, the school's official athletic website. Joe Baum, congrats on the 300. Women's golf wins the 2007 Mary Fossum. Uh, Mary Fossum was the golf coach at Michigan State for more than two decades. Uh, fixture, she started the program, and she handed the reins over to the current coach, Stacey Slobodnik-Stoll, and they won the tournament named in her honor. And it, and it, was, no, it was no breeze of a tournament. You had Big Ten uh, teams like Michigan and Indiana there. Kent State, uh, little did I know, has a great women's golf team. But they won Laura Cuny. She's a sophomore. She won the tournament with a tournament record two under. I do not think I could golf two under from the women's tees. Not not happening. Let, let alone par. Could, could I? I don't even know if I could stay under a hundred on eighteen holes from from the women's tees. But props to the women's golf team. Sarah Brown. She also tied for second place. She's a Michigan State senior. She's been all Big Ten for two years. But look out, Laura Cuny will probably be joining her. That's my guess. Women's golf doing outstanding things. Uh, men's golf under the direction of new head coach Sam Purrier. They're actually getting underway at the Ivernus Intercollegiate, I believe it's called, in Toledo this week. So we'll have a report on how the men's golf team is doing under the new direction of Sam Purrier. And, and I'm a big fan of Sam. He was on the show a couple weeks ago. If you miss that, if you miss any of our shows and you want to catch on, up on the interviews, uh, usually now after football games we have uh, interviews with the stars of the game. Uh, we're touching on coordinators' comments after the game. And that's all going to be located on our website, impact89fm.com. And just simply click on podcast and then Spartan Sports Rep Archive. This is a sports talk show. I'd like to know your thoughts and comments. We take calls. We take emails. The phone number, 517-432-3893. The email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. 
So could you golf under 100 from the women's tees, Brigitte, or do you not golf? No, I don't even really golf. I'm not even that good at putt-putt. So. Brigitte dabbles in the basketball. <laughs> I do do basketball, but I'm hey, we not did, a good golfer. Br- Brigitte and I won the three-on-three tournament our freshman year. We did. Case uh, Olympics. Case, the Case Hall Olympics. It, was, it wasn't even co-ed teams. It was like, you pick your team. Brigitte's out there tray balling, and <laughs> we, and we win the tournament. I was I, one of the only I, girls, too. He, she was the only girl. We had two guys and, and one female on our team, and we beat a, a team of three guys. I was so p- impressed with her play. But we did not get our gift cards <laughs> that we, we were supposed did. to get for winning. It's all right, though. The memories. The memories. Personal triumph. The memories of these athletes that I'm going to talk about next are outstanding. The 2007 Hall of Fame class right here at Michigan State University. They're inducted this past weekend. Um, some of them people aren't very familiar with, but but I like when, when a university, an institution, honors its past. And I think certain times uh, people deserve to be honored, and I think this, this Hall of Fame weekend really uh, personified that with 11 inductees. Uh, some notable names that you may recognize, Scott Skiles, current coach of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Grady Penninger, he was a wrestling coach here, won seven straight Big Ten titles. George Perlis, former football coach, we know who he is, ro- roamed the sidelines, donated half a million dollars also to the university for the Perlis Plaza. But more importantly, I got a chance to sit down with the three aforementioned gentlemen. Uh, Scott Skiles played here in the mid-'80s, right after Magic Johnson, those guys, won the national title. And he, he kept Michigan State on the map. Uh, here's what Scott Skiles had to say when I got to sit down with the former Big Ten MVP. In this edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm here with 2007 Michigan State Hall of Fame inductee Grady Penninger. Coach Penninger, you coached wrestling here at Michigan State for more than 20 years. What were your first thoughts when you got the news that you were in the class of 2007? Well, I tell you what, I've, I've been here a long time. And uh, like I told Ron Mason, you got to look down because I'm pretty short to see me. <laughs> and so, you know, good things happen if, if you wait long enough. Uh, I don't I have any feelings about it being now or earlier. It's just a great honor, and I'm truly proud, and my whole family is here, and uh, except my wife, she's had two strokes, and she's out at Bertram, and she'll be here tomorrow. But uh, it, was, it was probably, without a doubt, the greatest experience of my life. And uh, being the first team in the Big Ten to win the NCAA, uh, being the only sport at Michigan State to win seven consecutive uh, Big Ten titles, it's just it was a fantastic experience. And man, I'd like to do it all over again. Those seven consecutive conference titles. How did you put such a consistent product on the mat for that long of time? Well, I tell you, my first state champion when I was a high school coach with Doug Blueball. And he and another kid on the team both won the Olympics in 1960. And uh, I had him up here as an assistant. He was a great person to have around and a, a great person for kids to work out with. And his name, I'm sure, drew a lot of people here. And uh, we gradually built it up and built it up until a guy came along named Dan Gable that just tore the wrestling world apart from Iowa and uh, I probably won 14 or 15 Big Ten championships. From from this, from this, what I'm hearing from you, Coach, it seems like you really do miss coaching. Oh, I miss coaching like, like I miss tomorrow. I would be tickled to death to be coaching again. But I know, you know, you got to get out. It's, it's, it's a young man's game. And uh, I know I can still demonstrate and put on things like that, and there's nothing wrong with my wrestling mind. But there comes a time when you need to get out and make room for somebody else. 
In this 2007 class, which of your fellow inductees are, are you impressed with? Well, I tell you what, I don't know a lot of them. And uh, two of them have passed on out of the ten. And uh, Scott Skiles was here, fantastic basketball player, and Dean Look. But uh, those are two great guys right there. And so, to end it, Coach, what was your most memorable moment when you think Michigan State in your career here? What do you think of? Well, I lost a fantastic wrestler in town to the name of Dave Porter, who was national champion. And we wrestled Michigan here in 68. And the referee blew a match and cost one of our kids his match. And we came up to the finals in the dual meet with Michigan. And Jeff Smith, whom I recruited out of California, had to meet Dave Porter, the national champion. And for us to win the match, he had to beat Porter, which was, you know, slim and none. He pinned Dave Porter, and the field house almost caved in. I mean, it was the greatest experience of my life. He was even be- it was even better than winning the Nationals in 67. To have that happen, uh, after all of the heartaches of losing that young man to Michigan, then going to California and bringing him back, it was fantastic. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap right here on Impact 89 FM. That was Grady Penninger, former wrestling coach here at Michigan State, won seven straight Big Ten titles. He was a gent to interview. What a great guy. I also got to sit down with George Perlis, former football coach who just donated half a million dollars for the Perlis Plaza at the new football building that's under construction. If you've been on campus and got a chance to see that, it'll be completed uh, in in the summer of 2008. Uh, here's what Coach Perlis had to say about his induction into the 2007 Michigan State Hall of Fame. In this edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm here with former Michigan State football coach George Perlis. Coach here for more than a decade. When you first got the call that you were going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame, what went through your mind, Coach? Well, the chills went through me. I, uh, I've had the good fortune to be inducted into the Michigan Hall of Fame and the Western Pennsylvania Hall of Fame, but this is something real, real special. Michigan State uh, Hall of Fame because I went to school here, met my wife here, my children been educated here, my uh, mentor was Duffy Doherty. Everything that's happened for me in life that's been positive has happened because of Michigan State. How special is that relationship? Was that relationship with Duffy Doherty and now the Perlis Plaza going to be right there with the Duffy Doherty football building? Well, the reason Sally, uh, my wife Sally and I, uh, wanted the plaza because we could be next to Duffy. And uh, he was a father to me. Uh, if it wasn't for Duffy, I, nothing would have happened that's happened. He got me every job I ever had. When he was ready to retire, he called Chuck Noll to Pittsburgh Steelers and got me on that staff. So uh, Duffy was very, very important in my life, my mentor and a father to me and so uh, being part of the plaza at the Duffy Doherty building was very special to Sally and I. You've been out of coaching for more than 10 years. How much do you miss being on the sidelines? I really uh, don't miss the sidelines that much because of my age. What I do miss is chasing those young men around, making them go to school, making them do things they don't want to do because I know it's good for them in the long run. And then the real reward is seeing them later in life when they come up and thank you for basically demanding them to do things that are going to help them in the long run. And lastly, Coach Perlis, how excited are you to see the Perlis Plaza constructed and complete? I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a 
We're going to break a rule probably. I'm going to grab a big bottle of champagne and go over there and celebrate it. I'm looking forward to it. And I, I really give my wife Sally a lot of credit. Uh, all she's gone through being a coach's wife. And then I went home with the idea that we would do the plaza for uh, half a million dollars. It took her about one minute to say uh, she agreed. That was former football coach George Perlis. He was inducted into the Michigan State Hall of Fame this past weekend, obviously commenting on the half million dollars he donated for the construction of a plaza that's in addition to the renovations at the football complex. It's going to be state-of-the-art. It'll be great for recruiting. Uh, But the new complex is under construction now. I'm sure if you've been on campus, you've seen it. Um, But an interview that I meant to get to earlier, I'm sorry, I I had a little mix-up on my my little outline here. Scotty Skiles, Uh, we, we know his story. Uh, Plymouth, Indiana, small town, not not very recognized. Came to Michigan State, tremendous four-year starter, Big Ten Freshman of the Year when he's a freshman, and and topped it off with the with the Big Ten MVP his senior year. So you know he's got great caps to his career in between, outstanding as well. Uh, but Scott Skiles, he now coaches the Chicago Bulls. He played an illustrious career in the NBA with uh, with the I believe the Orlando Magic for the majority of his career. Scott Skiles, great. Interview here it is. Scott Skiles, current coach of the Chicago Bulls, on his induction to the Michigan State Hall of Fame. This edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm here with Scott Skiles. Among his accolades, he's an All American. He was a Big Ten Freshman of the Year and a Big Ten MVP in his four years at Michigan State. Scott, when you first got the call, what were, what were your thoughts like when you knew that you were going to be inducted into the Michigan State Hall of Fame? Well, you know, honestly, when when Ron, when Ron called me, I, I wasn't even really aware of it, and. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I knew it was a big honor. And, uh, and then, you know, finally coming here and, you know, seeing all the other faces up there and, and, and knowing some of those people and knowing reputations of some others, um, you know, it's, ob- it's obviously something I'm grateful for. Throughout your college career, would you say consistency was one of the strong points? Uh, maybe. You know, I, you know I felt, I'd like to think that I was, you know, pretty consistent. Um, you know, but, I, you know, when I think back about it, I, you know, I tend to think more about, you know, the guys I played with and, and what great teammates they were and I had a great coach and, uh, and, and so I think back finally more about those kind of things. Speaking of your coach, Judd Heathcote, what, what do you remember most about Judd, and what lessons has he taught you that you carry with yourself now as a coach in the NBA? Well, you know, I've got basically the same answer, uh, you know, for both of those, and that is he, you know, Judd was a very serious guy about the game, uh, but at the same time he had a great sense of humor, and, uh, you know, and he could mix it up. And, and uh, you know, my, my coach and staff and I, I mean, we try to take the same approach. We try to be serious, but, but at the same time mix in some humor and, uh, and Jeb was, uh, you know, great with sarcasm. We're probably not in his league with regard to that, but, uh, you know, that's that's what I take from him the most. You came in an era of Michigan State basketball just beyond Magic Johnson and Kelser in their 79 championship team, but you kept Michigan State on the map. How important is that to you that you kept Michigan State in the national limelight? Well, you know, it, it is it is a little bit, uh, but, you know, also I, I, I still look at, you know, disappointment in my very last college game in the NCAA tournament when we had like a clock mishap that, you know, unfortunately, you know, that was it. But, uh, you know, Tom has certainly taken it, you know, to a whole other level. Uh, but, you know, all of us that were there at that time, I mean, we, we, you know, we take a lot of pride in the fact that uh, the program didn't go down. You look at all the points you scored in your career, over 2,000. How, ma- how many more would you have scored if you had the three-point line in all four years, do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think I think what happens then, though, is, is people guard you differently. And so, you know, it's hard to say, uh, you know, you could chart one of my games or something and say, you know, eight of those were threes, you'd add eight more points or whatever. But people would guard you differently if it was a three. So it's very difficult to say. I wish we would have had it, you know, because we had several good three-point shooters. But, uh, you know, the timing just wasn't right. And, and, and I think it's a valuable weapon now in college basketball. 
You look at the timeline of your career from Plymouth, Indiana, to Michigan State, to a successful career in the NBA, and now as a coach. Could you ever imagine all this as a young man coming to East Lansing, stepping on campus? Well, you know, actually, I'm one of the you know fortunate people that ever ever since I was a small child, I you know I I knew what I wanted to do, and uh, and you know I believed I believed I could do it, and and I'm there, you know. So um, it's, I've had a lot of breaks along the way. I've had a lot of luck along the way, and uh, anybody that that happens to, that's what happens. But I'm. You know, I'm living what I dreamed about as a kid, and, um, um, you know, so far so good. I'd like to, you know, at some point get an NBA championship and put that one away, and we, and we feel like we're moving in that type of direction. To close, Coach, your backcourt teammate, Sam Vincent, just recently named the head coach of the Charlotte Bobcats. That had to be a special day when you found out that news that Sam was going to be a coach in the NBA. Yeah, Sam and I talked. You know, he, I mean, Sam's taken a, you know, a, a different route than I did. He's, and a lot of people don't know this, but, I mean, he's coached in South Africa. He's, you know, he's coached in, in South America. I mean, he's been all over the place. Uh, you know, he got a break coaching with Dallas, and, and then boom, he's he's in with Charlotte. So I really have a lot of respect for the way that Sam's, you know, paid his dues and, and, and worked his way up, and, and he deserves a shot, and he's got it. And hopefully, except when they play us, he'll do well. Spartan basketball fans should know who that is. Scotty Skiles just inducted into the Michigan State Hall of Fame this past weekend. He currently coaches the Chicago Bulls in the NBA. Uh, the point of all this is just great to honor the past. When, when honor is due, and I believe those three gentlemen have missed the eleven total that were inducted this past weekend um, had great interviews uh, with, with numerous more that's all available at msuspartans.com uh, with t- uh, I believe 9 of the 11 possible we got interviews with and that's all available at msuspartans.com I just wanted to play some gems Grady Penninger he's all 5 foot 5 maybe <laughs> maybe maybe less he was a great wrestling coach but to think of that you know, you know we weren't around but 7 straight Big Ten titles that's just utter dominance we all know who skiles is we can see him you know contemporary we can see him on the sidelines with the bulls you know when we were younger we saw him playing with orlando and then perlis you know that's that's a that's a history in football there you know we're familiar with that but it's good to to get these names out there in, in the careers of these these people that played at michigan state even dating back to you know the the early 1900s you know, when these people really dominated sports and, and they get sometimes forgotten. So the whole point of this was to, to just honor the past, and I believe it was a great weekend. So so much festivities. You saw it at halftime of the football game when they gave a, an introduction to all 11, um, whether they're deceased or represented by a family member. But it was great to see that Michigan State honoring tradition. Uh, but tradition this season is football winning, and they've won their second straight now, and that constitutes as somewhat of a tradition. Uh, football wins 28-17 over the Bowling Green State University Falcons, a team that I think is going to dominate the MAC this year. They looked very good. Um, they beat Minnesota in Week 1, and, and they gave Michigan State a, a fight, I'd say, in, in Week 2. A somewhat uh, somewhat of a boring game, almost, to me. Uh, Bowling Green was so predictable. The, their pass-to-run ratio w- was absurd. It was at, 75% at, almost. Yeah, 75 I was charting it during the game. During the game, uh, you know, I was keeping some specialty stats for, for the TV guys, you know, to make them sound smarter. <laughs> Realistically, you know, I look stuff up. They can't They can't do that while they're on the air broadcasting. Wayne Larvey, ring it up, Chicago Bulls broadcaster. I was, I was working alongside him, but... Michigan State had a nice balance, but on the other on the other side, Bowling Green, shotgun pass, shotgun pass, shotgun pass. Did you notice that? Was it was that kind of boring football to you? Yeah, I mean it's definitely more or less a spread offense. It's more of their system, you know. They they really can't they really haven't really established a you know running game and you know 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. They they didn't establish a running game at all. When the rushes they had, they were either negative yardage. They had no big plays uh, out of. You, you have the stats, or you can probably shout us out a number in a second. I, yeah, they only had forty seven yards of rushing. On how many attempts? Uh, uh, twenty five attempts. On so one point nine yard average. That's that's poor. They sound like us last year, pretty much. <laughs> pass, pass, pass. Let's give the ball to J.U. Calkrick. He runs for nine yards, and then we'll put him on the pitch. <laughs> no, J.U. had a great The running backs, although they didn't rack up, each of them didn't have a 100-yard game or whatever, They running back by committee had nearly 150 yards. Yeah, they had 142. Yes, yeah, so, so that's legit. I'll take it. And Coach Antonio made a great point today at his press conference when he said Javon Ringer made something out of nothing a lot of the times when he was getting uh, half tackled at the line of scrimmage and he's back cutting to get an extra two or three yards so i was definitely pleased with javon good to see him get his first touchdown ju adds to his uh big 10 leading five so good to see those guys uh but you're more impressed with the falcons or the spartans right um i got it you know you got to tip your tap or tip your cap to the bowling green they almost pulled off you know another big 10 upset but uh You'd have, I'd have to give the edge to Michigan State. You know they had, you know they sustained efficient drives. They had ball control, and you know seven sacks in the game is definitely impressive. That's huge. Any, that huge. That ball control point was it over eight minutes? Yeah, the, uh, in the fourth quarter they had a eight minute drive. You know, just chewing up valuable clock time. Yeah, Brigitte, more impressed with the Falcons or the Spartans? Uh, I'd probably say Bowling Green just for the first half, but then the second half when the Spartans took over, I was definitely more impressed with them just because they didn't fall into their typical pattern of giving up you know, a lead. They finished the game, which was probably what I was most impressed with. They didn't quit, in other words, and you know they looked good. They only allowed a field goal second half. So, Your comments, folks. Uh, the email inbox wide open, wdbmsports at gmail.com. If you want to chime in on the phones, please do. The number, 517-432-3893. Did the, did the Falcons impress you or did the Spartans impress you more? Uh, that, that's the a, that's a initial question when we examine the Michigan State Bowling Green game this weekend. Obviously, a pass-heavy team. Um, any questions with our secondary? Or was that just the result of so many passes that people are going to get open? I think it was more or less like the first half. Our, our game plan and our scheme was, you know, wasn't there. In the second half, we made necessary adjustments, and I think we had six sacks in the second half, which you know, definitely helped out the secondary, took the pressure off them. You know. didn't, wasn't there a disparity between first half passing yards and second half passing yards yeah, from BG? They, they, had, uh, they had over um, two, 20 yards passing in the first half, and I think they had 80 yards passing in the second half. So uh, that, that's that's a good sign to me. That's, co- that's yeah. coaching to yeah. me. And, and they didn't shun away from the pass. Bowling Green stuck with their with their game plan. Well, they didn't have a running game, so they definitely had no choice. You know, Absolutely, play from behind. So you're basically going to chuck the ball downfield with the pressure that that we're that we're putting on with our defensive line. Very impressed with that line. There was a lot of question marks. Uh, first and foremost, of the depth of that line. But you see a healthy Michigan State defensive line. Albeit Bowling Green, but Bowling Green, I think their talent they're they're talented enough to be a lower third team in the Big Ten and compete. Yeah, definitely. But offensively, Devin Thomas does it again. Just just when you thought those number five jerseys that are on clearance now at at Walmart or wherever aren't valuable, folks, Devin Thomas, it, it, I'll say it, he is the real deal. He is outstanding. His second game for kept receiving for over a hundred yards. He had one hundred fifty six. That was the most since Charles Rogers had 161. 
in 2002 against Purdue. Got a chance to catch up with DT. They call him Devin Showtime Thomas after the game. Here's what Devin Thomas had to say. This edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm here post-game with wide receiver Devin Thomas. Once again, you do it. Last week, 106-yard tack on 50, 156 yards, Devin. What was it today? Was it your speed, size? What what made it such a successful day for you? I mean, basically, it's just the play calling, you know, and then I go ahead and execute the plays. I just, you know I mean, try to take advantage of each play that I get that I can be a part of the offense and go downfield. Your offense met some adversity from, from Bowling Green's D. What, what, what did they give you trouble with today? Obviously, you had a good day. What, what was the toughest to overcome from Bowling Green? Um, I think really it was just, you know, our offense, we made a few, like, mistakes personally more than what Bowling Green showed. We was making our own mistakes. So we just had to tighten up a little bit, you know, and stop making mistakes and just be more positive and successful on offense. You've clearly established yourself as the number one go-to receiver on this team. This has to be what you wanted now. Two games in, already 200-yard-plus games. Oh, yeah, it feels very good. You know, I'm just excited about the opportunity, and um, I'm, I'm blessed about it. So I just want to, each game, try to get better and play hard. You're in a class of few. You're 156 yards the most since Charles Rogers had 161 in 2002. You have to be proud. Man, that's, that's outstanding. I didn't even know that, but uh, that's most definitely good company. Devin Thomas, wide receiver number five. He's been the go-to wide out for Michigan State and quarterback Brian Hoyer. Uh, we, we look at Devin Thomas. Leads the Big Ten in receiving yards. After it's Yeah, it's two games, I know. It's only been two games, uh, but that's a statement. When, when you're, we're not playing necessarily. UAB was a pushover. Yeah. Bowling Green, not so much. Uh, but at the end of the day, coaches, I don't care who you are, what team you are, when you have a solid receiver as a defensive coordinator, you're going to shadow him with one, with, uh, one or two more extra guys uh, to shut him down. And so I don't care who you are. These these schools that we play have scholarship players. You're, you're definitely going to open up more opportunities for other receivers. You know, when Devin Thomas is going to start, you know, commanding uh, two guys covering him at least because he's you know he stretches the field pretty efficiently. Brigitte, impressed with Devin Thomas? Oh, for sure. I think he had like 261 all-purpose yards. It was awesome to watch him. I'm just wondering where he's been the past season. He just breakout year so far. I can't wait to see him when he starts playing against some great defensive players to oh, see what he can will do. Get the, he just will get to the see chance. what he can do. I'm looking forward to that as well. When, we, when you match up Devin Thomas with, say, an Ohio State DB or, or the talented DBs over at Penn State, uh, you want to chime in. Our email inbox is wide open. Uh, the email address is wdbmsports at gmail.com. The phone number, chime in as well, 517-432-3893. Just discussing Devin Thomas. has to be I'd say alongside Brian Hoyer, the most consistent player through two weeks now. Uh, Devin Thomas also ranks eighth in the nation in receiving yards, averaging buck thirty-one a game. Thomas leads the league and ranks tenth nationally in all-purpose yards, as Brigitte noted. I like that, two hundred four a game. Devin Thomas, simply to me, Ray, he is an all-around football player. Yes. How, how do you like him as a kick returner? Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, he definitely has a chance, you know, to score on every play, and definitely that adds another dimension to our team. You know, having you know solid kick return, you know, kick Absol- returner. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And when especially when you get the possession and you you start the ball, oh, line the of scrimmage yard. is the the forty five, yeah. the fifty. He ran. He had two returns in between the forty and the fifty. So you got to be pleased with him. I don't see him moving from kick re- the kick return slot anytime soon. Uh, just some slight uh, lineup changes to the two deep. Uh, Sir Darian Adams now penciled in as the starter at uh, weak linebacker, I believe. Weak side linebacker where John Mish was the starter, but that's going to be on a flip-flop basis. So nothing cemented, but on the two deep, Sir Darian Adams listed as the starter. 
and no, no, no other major changes. Uh, we'll get to defense in a minute. Uh, but how, how did Hoyer perform, right? What do you what were your thoughts about Brian Hoyer's performance? He was he was pretty efficient, except for the two mistakes he made. Two picks were pretty ill advised. But uh, all in all, I think he had a pretty efficient day, and uh, I think he'll be efficient for us this season. Absolutely. I mean, he had some picks, but uh, when I got a chance to talk to talk to Hoyer today, I got a chance to sit down with the QB, and, and he knows he can go back and look at film and, and, and analyze what he did. And I got a chance to sit down with Brian this afternoon. Hey, we even slipped in a little baseball in our discussion. Here's what quarterback Brian Hoyer had to say. This edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast brings us to the stadium. A little Monday press conference here with starting quarterback Brian Hoyer. Brian, I see you repping the green and white on the shirt, but the hat. A little Cleveland Indians, obviously a fan. Yeah, definitely. I'm coming from Cleveland. You know, I grew up watching uh, the Indians and just uh, happy to see, you know, we got a win yesterday and, and the Tigers happen to lose on the same day. So, I, you know, I'm wearing this hat uh, loud and proud today. Another big game for you as a quarterback, over 200 yards passing. You have to be pleased with with the aerial attack and in Devin Thomas. Yeah, def- I think, uh, you know, we've been saying all along it's going to be a balanced attack. So, you know, you just say, you know, 250 yards passing, but I think we also had, you know, 150 yards rushing, something like that. So, you know, it's pretty balanced. And we were able to get some uh, big play opportunities in there. And uh, Devin, he stepped up his game and he made some real, you know, big crucial plays, especially that one, you know, down on the five-yard line. He makes a great catch over the defensive back. So, you know, just real pleased with that. You've been around the Big Ten a long time, Brian. We know you're a junior, but you've been here a while. You've seen big play receivers in the Big Ten. Is Devin one of those? Yeah, I think he's grown into one. Um, he's really maturing, and, and I think he uh, understands his role now. He's got to take that, you know, take his game up to the, another level now that he's, you know, a starting receiver, and he's going to be the guy who, uh, you know, is a big play threat. And, uh, you know, like you said, I've been around for a long time, and, and he's one of the better guys that I've seen. You know, I, I'm a little biased because, you know, he's my – He's my own receiver, but um, you know we've had some good ones here in the past, and I think he's right up there with with those guys. It's only week two, but you guys have the fewest penalties in the Big Ten. As a QB on offense, it has to be nice to you, knowing that a big play goes down, nothing's going to be bringing it back because you guys are disciplined. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to uh, Coach Antonio and the staff. You know, uh, um, I remember when he came in, he emphasized, you know, we were the you know most penalized team in in the Big Ten last year, and. Uh, it's something we've worked on, you know, through uh, spring ball, summer, and definitely in fall camp. You know, if we were jumping off sides or anything, we were running after practice. So it's something they've helped, uh, you know, instill in, in ourselves, and uh, it's something to be proud of as long as we can keep it going. And lastly, heading into Pitt on Saturday, what, what's something you as a quarterback want to improve on heading into Game 3? Just, you know, learning from the mistakes I made on Saturday, you know, um, the one interception, uh, you, you just—it's something you you see on film, and you just you want to kick yourself because you know if you put a little more air on it, it's a touchdown. And Kellen's running past that linebacker, so you know it's just little things like that where um, you can eliminate mistakes just by you know making a simple change. So that's something that you know I'm going to work for and uh, practice this week, and hopefully it'll come game time. It, you know it'll come in effect. Now, starting quarterback Brian Hoyer got a chance to sit down with the with the Ohio native. Obviously, he's a Cleveland Indians fan. Won't hold that against him. But Hoyer, he he, he even brought it up. You got to respect a guy who who has that that you know type of character that he'll point it out. I didn't you know I didn't even ask him the question. He brings it up that you know I had a couple balls that I wish I could have back in in my hands. You know that I wish I would have put a little more touch on. And you can respect that. And and, and one of those balls was to to tight end Kellen Davis. And Kellen is just a monster. For the second week in a row, he's had a reception on multiple receptions playing tight end and a sack per game playing defensive end. 
playing both ways. Ray, your thoughts on, on first Brian Hoyer, the quarterback? I think the fact that uh, he spread the round, spread the ball around with at least seven different receivers, but he does he does tend to lock in on Devin Thomas a little too much. I don't like that, but I want to see him you know involve Mark Dell more in the offense, start looking towards his way a little bit more, so you know teams can uh, you know I don't know lock, not lock so much in on Devin Thomas, you know. And, and, I, and I would be aware of the threats we have on, yeah. on, on at X and Z. Yes. You know, if, if you're not familiar with football, they label the receivers usually X, Y, Z. It depends on how many you have. Brigitte, your, your thoughts on Hoyer? Uh, this week I thought he looked a little bit more uncomfortable throwing than he did against UAB, but that's, of course, because Bowling Green had a much better defense. However, I think the offensive line is doing great. They're giving him a lot of time to throw and make better decisions with the exceptions of the two picks he threw this week. But for the most part, I'm really impressed with how he's been playing. He looks like he's fitting into the quarterback position well and Absolutely, it gets somewhat generic when people yeah. say, you know, you gotta, you gotta give credit to the offensive line. You know, you gotta praise the, the guys in the trenches. But, but if you really, if you went back and you watched the film on this game, and you, and I, I didn't. I, don't, I don't have time to do that. But I, you know, I'll be honest. I don't have time to go back and watch the game again. But just, just paying attention to certain plays, just watching the offensive line individually, they're good. Yeah, especially he, that right side with Big Roland Martin and Jesse mm-hmm. Miller. Yeah, Hoyer definitely looks poised back there. He's, you know, he's got a lot of time to find his receivers, and you know, definitely he's paying dividends right now. You can see that in the stat book. And I think what we were only sacked once or twice. It was, on the, yeah, one time. One time on the on the game. So you have to be pleased with the protection Brian Hoyer is getting. Uh, but he also has a big target out there at tight end, Kellen Davis. Mm-hmm. Another successful game. Um, would have had a, another touchdown if he would. He that one touchdown he caught just laid out in the back of the end zone. Tremendous. And then he would have had another four-year, like he said, put a little more touch on that ball, got it over that linebacker's head. But then again, there's Kellen Davis, a tight end. Three to, four, defensive end, yeah. three to four steps beyond a linebacker. Your thoughts on Kellen Davis? I definitely think he's, he's a great target you know, in the red zone. I think he's going to you know, find more you know, looks his way when we get in the red zone. And uh, defensively, he looked great. I mean, he just adds another you know, dimension to our defensive scheme. You know, he added a sack, and uh, I guess... Uh, he, he could. Uh, I know he's going to be a you know target for the NFL with his versatility and in his size and in his speed. Yeah. The speed I think is the biggest thing. And you know he, re, he you know in some aspects he reminds me of the Antonio. We know the new era tight ends in the NFL. They're not these these big slow Uggs that just block and, and and maybe catch a ball here and there. You're looking at that tight ends that are just really bulked up receivers. Yeah. So Kellen Davis definitely. Do you think he on both on on offense? Do you think he he's the the player that's poised to be the next pro? Uh, he he could be. I mean, it matters what kind of season he has. I mean, he def- definitely has a lot of upside. You know, with his versatility. You know, offensively and defensively, and he's he's just a huge target in the red zone. And you know, he can stretch the field a little bit as well. So de- I'm definitely proud of 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 Kellen Davis because you know he had his off the field issues. He cleaned it up. And, and he's back, and he's playing well, and it's good to see that, that the tight end position is getting utilized yeah. by this offense in something that was not so existent uh, under under JLS. Uh, but the number, if you would like to get in touch with us, it's 517-432-3893. Just discussing Michigan State's 28-17 win over Bowling Green. Also, the email address, drop us a line. Go ahead, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Dot com. You know, comments on the Michigan game. We're talking Michigan State. 
Uh, we had a Hall of Fame weekend, uh, women's golf won. Big, a little rewind, Joe Baum, men's soccer coach, won his 300th. Got to show him love. Women's golf won the Mary Fossum Invitational at Forest Acres West. Just a great weekend. Went out there yesterday to cover it uh, for our office. Uh, but props to Laura Cuny. She took first place, and Sarah Brown, the senior, tied for second. So Michigan State women's golf, really a threat. And I really take pride in the fact that this year, these first few weeks of school, if you if you really tallied up the overall records of all our varsity sports here at Michigan State, we are good in everything. And that, and that is, I'm proud of that. Our, our men's soccer team's 4-0. Our field hockey team, they're undefeated, ranked 7th in the nation. You could say, oh, what, what's he talking about? Olympic sports in, in, prime, in prime time sports coverage. You know, we've got a university that happens to be very successful in all it's doing right now. And you've got to show love. Uh, otherwise, Michigan, not so much. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get to Michigan. They happened to lose the, at the Mary Fossum Invitational this past weekend because obviously Michigan State won. Got to show love to the to the ladies who are repping the green and white on the golf course. Uh, defense, we got we got to get to the defense. Uh, hold on, before we do, I got I got a little note here on my sheet. With something we got to talk about. Uh, we've seen what BG did in Week One to Minnesota. We've seen what has happened to Michigan in two weeks. The Big Ten Conference. Is it overrated? I think it's tough to decide that in the second week. You know, teams are still trying to build that chemistry right now. And uh, I know Wisconsin struggled, you know, heavily against UNLV, which is not a good team. And I think as like as the weeks progress, we'll be able to determine that. Brigitte, Big Ten overrated as a conference. I think they go into a lot of their games thinking, oh, the first couple games of the season are going to be pretty easy wins to pick up, so they're not as prepared maybe as they should be as if they were going to play against other Big Ten teams. I think for the most part we have a lot of good a lot of good teams, maybe not as many as in the past, but I think for the most part the credit it gets, it's probably deserved. Uh, we might be a little bit top-heavy, but I think it's, it's a pretty good conference. Top heavy. That would not include Michigan at this at this current hour <laughs> last of, of seven forty. It would not include the Michigan Wolverines in the toilet bowl next week. Notre Dame zero and two versus Michigan zero and two. So great game coming up next week. I'm sure. In my cards, guaranteed. The two winningest programs in NCAA history. What an, what an irony! What an irony for the first win. Oh, the irony there. We'll get there. But more importantly, Michigan State. Defense. They they had a, a somewhat solid showing. Uh, BG threw the ball a heck of a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But first, Pat Narduzzi, the defensive coordinator, he had a post game press conference. I got some some bits and pieces of that for you. So here's uh, what Coach Narduzzi had to say about his defense's performance against Bowling Green. I'll speak on that eight minute drive. That's what it was. That was a heck of a drive by the offense, and that makes makes for a good defense. You know, defensively. You know, I thought we did a great job. I don't know if we gave up a big pass, really. Um, we kept everything in front of us. You know, and, and again, give credit to, to Greg Brandon. He does a super job uh, at, at doing all the little things right. They had really a first-half package and a second-half package. He came into the uh, second half and ran some stuff into the boundary that we'd never seen before, which is going to probably happen every week. Uh, people are going to give you new things that maybe you're not prepared for, and our kids did a great job of adjusting and just playing their base defense. But we kept everything in front of us and, uh, you know, basically bent a little bit but did not break. And, again, the number one key is, again, they could not run the ball. They could not run the ball on us, and that's always going to be our advantage, whether they want to try it or not. If they do, we got to, you know, we got to stuff the run, and that's what we did. And, um, you know, if we give up a few passing yards, we're not worried about it. But it was a great job. You know, I thought our defense really fought through adversity. It's probably the best thing to happen is, you know, last week I wasn't excited after the game because it was such a blowout. 
today, you know, we got a nice second house, second half adversity uh, factor, and our kids really pulled together, and our coaches did a great job on the sideline of keeping them together and saying, listen, guys, it's the fourth quarter, it's third quarter, whatever it is, let's keep pounding it, pounding it, and, uh, and we'll win this game. Talk about the big hits on your defense. I mean, it's been a long since the Citrus Bowl year when we've seen that kind of hitting. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, I think, you know, big hits happen if your kids know what they're doing, and, uh, you know, we did a little zone pressure. And was there some big hits? I mean, I can't tell up there in the press box sometimes. It looks like he tackled the guy. Um, but there was a few you know, we had on the kickoff team and on defense. Um, but our kids know what to do. And if you know what to do, you're going to play faster. And the faster you play, the harder you hit. And that's, that's probably the biggest key you've got. Can you talk about the emergence of One more. St. Deke has done a tremendous job. I mean, uh, you know, came in the game as a starter. Uh, and if he hadn't come out of the, the locker room, he was supposed to be the starter going into it. And if he would have come out of the locker room in a little bit better fashion, uh, he would have started the game. But we put Long back in there because we didn't like some of the things he did prior to But he was a starter going into the game instead of Long because he played better than Long did last week. But he's a high-motored kid that seems to be getting better every week. And, you know, when he takes those knee bra- braces off, you know, practice, he kind of, you know, slogs around out there on the field, but he takes his knee braces off. He can go. He's a great football player. Ross Weaver had some cramps, got an IV at the, uh, you know, in the second half, early second half, maybe even halftime, they put one in him or, or right at the beginning of the third quarter. Um, so Chris Rucker, you know, true freshman corner went out there and, and, and really did a nice job for us out to the field, and um, which was great to get him experience. How about Jen Rat with Nemo or two? Can you talk about well, again, we you know we got a lot of guys working there. I mean, I think the, I think the defense was on the field for 45 plays in the first half. I don't know how many we ended up with, but 45 plays is is almost three quarters of a football game. And and so our kids, you know, a little gassed out there, and they're, and they're running every down. It's not like they're running the ball and and, uh, and everybody can lay on each other for a while. Um, but uh, you know, the, the whole secondary did a great job. We you know had Travis Keener had a big hit today. I know, um, and some of um, you know some of you know Jenneret has a pick. I mean, the kids just played well. What were some of the adjustments in the second half specifically? You know, we talked about some adjustments uh, in the second half, but we really never got to it. Um, so I can't tell you we made any huge adjustments except, you know, some little things with our defensive ends and what we wanted them to do and how we wanted to contain the quarterback. Uh, but we went out and played, the, you know, if you put the film on, went out and played the same defense we did uh, from the first half to the second half. A little bit better pass rush. Maybe we warmed down. You know, uh, we did some things just with our defensive line. You know, out of our three and four man front of, of telling them how to rush it. And uh, and again, like I said, I think you know we, we bull rushed a little bit more in the second half just to get after him a little bit. What was it that Saint Pete did when he was running on the field there? Um, I, you know, I, I didn't see it, but he just you know had his helmet off. I guess I don't know. You know, maybe you guys saw it, but he didn't come out like we expect him with class. Third downs, it looks like you uh, switched things up a little bit on third downs blitz. You went to the three, four. Uh, yeah. Is that something that you game plan, or is that mean game? That's something we'll do every third down. If it's third down and long, or third down, you know, for them, it was third down and long was third, third down and three plus. We're always going to bring it, you know, take a D lineman out and, and put a, you know, nickel back in there on third down. And that's what we do. You know, you'll see that every week. What about not having any defensive backs or defensive linemen down and down position? Yeah, that was just a little package that we, you know, like to try to confuse. It was a good first half thing. Uh, I'm not sure we executed it perfectly, but. Um, but, you know, the kids did it well. I didn't think they attacked the line of scrimmage as good, so I went back to saying, listen, you guys can't do it anymore, you know. So if you give a guy a little bone, it's great, but if they don't, you know, if they don't treat the bone right, then we take it away from them, so we got to get better at it. That's a new package, though, isn't it? I mean, not having to I didn't see one in Cincinnati. Uh, we did it in Cincinnati, yeah. Not a ton of it. We started to get it near the end of the year, but we've done that. That was defensive coordinator Pat Narduzzi. His thoughts after the Spartans held Bowling Green to 17 points. Victorious 28-17 over the Falcons. 
Uh, Jonal St. Deke, a lot in that clip talked about Jonal St. Deke. Now the starting defensive end for Michigan State. Uh, he comes out with three sacks and two forced fumbles. That's a good statistical number halfway through the season, let alone in one game. Ray, your thoughts on Jonal St. Deke and the entire defense? Um, well, the first half I wasn't impressed with the defense at all. They only had one sack. They didn't they didn't uh, attack that much. But uh, definitely second half, you know, they had six sacks in the second half. And I think uh, I was really impressed with the pressure and our secondary in the second half, only allowing 81 yards passing. But, uh, yeah, Jonel St. Deke definitely was great. He uh, hit three sacks, two forced fumbles, and definitely uh, applied a lot of pressure. Absolutely. And, and when you look at that, when you look at pressure, and, and I think it all stems from blitzing. When you blitz, obviously there's an odd man rush. But when you send a backer or you send a corner, they're going to blitz. They're going to create that odd man rush, and that lineman's going to have to pick and choose. So not necessarily will the linebacker get the get the sack. The, the lineman may slide off, pick up the backer, and there's Jonal St. Deke, or there's Ojemdi Nuabo, or Justin Kershaw coming backside for a sack. So definitely impressed. Seven sacks, some tremendous numbers for only one game. Yeah, you definitely have to know it. Uh, MSU has 12 sacks in two games, and last year they had uh, 16 sacks in 12 games. So you know, definitely a big, big difference. Uh, you know, how a year makes. You know, definitely a big difference. Absolutely, and you give a, you put a year under the belts of those junior college guys. I think it's just tremendous. You're going to see uh, uh, Nemo is healthy. Nehemiah Work went out of the game. He's day to day. He will play Saturday. Quick, just a quick side note on Dion or uh, on Nemo. Nehemiah Work, not Dion Curry. I'm, got too much going on. <laughs> Nehemiah Work will be at free safety, strong safety, pardon me, strong safety, free safety zone as well as he's there and, and healthy as can be. Uh, but the defensive line, we see Ojembi Nuabo, OG number 99, doing big things, blowing up the the offen- opposing offensive line. That was good to see. Justin Kershaw had a sack and a fumble recovery. A great guy. He's been on this show before. Tremendous character. Uh, just good to see the defensive line play well and get seven sacks. Brigitte, your thoughts? Um, I thought they looked really good, their defense, uh, giving up all that. Um, Joel St. Deke, three fumbles. I mean, that looked great. Absolutely. When you can, that turn, getting the ball back in the offense's, offense's hands, although there was that period where it was three fumbles in a row by Michigan State, Bowling Green, Michigan State. It's a little sloppy, sloppy yeah. a little sloppy, but then then again, there's some big hits. Dan Duggar would probably <laughs> would have probably fumbled too if I had Jonal St. D coming up and, and killing me blindside. So you you got to give these guys props. Seven sacks, and that that comparison was great, Ray. That we have what twelve sacks in two in, games, in two games, yeah, and we had sixteen all of last year. I think that was our main problem last year. I mean, we didn't we didn't blitz at all, and that's why our secondary looked so bad last year. And I think the fact that we have a weak secondary this year, you know, we're going to apply more blitzing and you know to help them out, you know, the you know, put the quarterback under pressure and you know, hopefully makes a bad decision. So our secondary would you say is weak or average? Uh I'd say probably below average. I mean, Bowling Green picked us apart when we didn't we didn't blitz. I mean, they were just you know nickel and diming us, and you know the second half you know you could see it. They only had again they only had 81 yards passing, and that was mainly due to the pressure. Yeah, obviously the the, bl- the blitzes the blitzes and go up, and the sacks go up, and and the passing yards go down. And obviously it's all in correlation to to each other. Uh, more importantly, you're listening to Spartan Sports Rap on Impact 89 FM. You'd like to get in contact with us? We do have a phone number. It's five one seven four three two. Thirty-eight ninety-three. This is the only commercial-free hour of sports talk you can find in the local area. We also have an email address: wdbmsports at gmail. 
wdbmsports.com. That's wdbmsports at gmail.com. Coming up Saturday, another noon game, another home game, Spartan Stadium, 12 o'clock. Pittsburgh comes to town. Uh, the toughest test out of the two aforementioned teams, UAB, Bowling Green. Obviously, Coach Antonio made a great point. It's pretty obvious. Game's getting progressively harder each week, and obviously as we'll travel to Notre Dame after we play Pitt, I don't know if that's going to get progressively harder. <laughs> but after Notre Dame, it will be when we go down to Madison, Wisconsin, uh, some say maybe the best college town, but hey, I'm a fan of East Lansing. But Pittsburgh, what they're going to do, they're going to do similar things at Michigan State. They're going to try to establish the run. They're going to score points. They've averaged over 30 points a game in their first two. A uh, little, little more pass-heavy than they are run-heavy. They're at just under 200 yards a game passing through the air. Clearly, you got to you got to pass through the air. <laughs> a buck, a buck twenty-five on the ground uh, rushing per game. So, so they're somewhat similar to us. Michigan State. Meanwhile, they have a night. I like the balance going on. You look at offense: two twenty rushing uh, to two hundred seventy-two passing. So. You, you got to enjoy that. A nice balance is, is what you look for. Are you pleased with that through two games? Yeah, I definitely like seeing a run game this year. Last year, I mean, we just we chucked the ball down the field, and you know, hopefully, we got it and you know, we're successful. But uh, yeah, it's definitely see the fact that you know, Ringer and Colcrick are getting their touches, and they're actually not you know have a nine yard game and get taken out of the game, like you mentioned earlier. And def uh, definitely a fan of. You look at the depth chart. Javon Ringer or J.U. Colcrick at starting running back. So it's running back by committee, and I like that. When you, when you have so many different weapons you can throw in in the versatility, it's kind of like a pitcher. you, you got a pitcher throwing 95-mile-an-hour throwing heat, and you come back with a knuckleballer in <laughs> <laughs> Wakefield. <laughs> They're just going to bowl you over. It's a, it's a terrible analogy, but I'll try to, I'll try to, I'll try to ride with it. You ready to play baseball? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I don't know if the knuckleball analogy was... Uh... <laughs> I think you got your point across, but uh, yeah, it's definitely hard to make that adjustment when the guy's throwing 95, then the guy comes in throwing, well, as you mentioned, a knuckle that tops out maybe 70 miles an hour. But <laughs> I, I don't know if that applies so much here. But the point, the the point has been made. You did, you did have your thunder and lightning uh, analogy. <laughs> the thunder and lightning analogy. Uh, who are you more impressed with, Rajit, so far in the season, J.U. Colcrick or Javon Ringer? Um, I have to give it to J.U. Colcrick right now, just because he's leading the Big Ten and uh, touchdowns and stuff like that. But he just looks so much more impressive than last year. He's more of a powerhouse as a running back, which is something that we've been lacking the past couple of years. And I think his speed, how fast he he really he really is For how fast big out he there. Is, it's amazing how fast he I would, is. I would not. You couldn't pay me enough to tackle J.U. Colker. I'll tell you that right <laughs> but now. But you get the job done regardless. <laughs> chop, chop, chop him at the knees. No, the number 517-432-3893. The email address, chop him at the knees, wdbmsports at gmail.com. That's wdbmsports at gmail.com. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're on every Monday night. 7 to 8 p.m. because of our low frequency. If you're looking for post-game coverage, I happen to work for the university sports information department. After the game, within about an hour and a half, we have multiple audio interviews up and running on msuspartans.com as well as pictures and quotes and all type of stuff. Can't tell you to go there, but after the game, that's where it's located. Um, all type of audio interviews this past week. I did Ojemi Nuabo, Justin Kershaw. We had some... Devin Thomas, who I seem to be doing every week now because he's just balling. Showtime is, is that a good is that a good nickname or is that is that show, all these athletic nicknames is is that you know Showtime that's kind of I'll buy it. colloquial you know a lot of people have the Showtime nickname but 
as far as I'm seeing, he's living up to it. Not as good as prime time, but I'll take showtime. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take showtime. Hey, here we go. Last seven minutes. Give me the best sports nickname there is. WDBMSports at gmail.com. Uh, that, that's a random topic of the night. Best sports <laughs> nickname. We've got Devin Showtime Thomas. Um, we've got Edong Ebach. I dunk, I block. We got some, we've got some good ones at Michigan State. Nemo, Nehemiah Wark. You know, you really think about it. Michigan State has has a lot of nicknames around here. Hey, you want to chime in? The number five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. None none greater than the Magic Man, Irvin Johnson. We can't we can't forget about. That's got to be hands down number one right there. Magic. But what a great nickname. What's your nickname? Magic. I'm just simply amazing with my skills. Irvin Johnson, great player, Hall of Famer. Uh, but that's it. We need to know athletic nicknames. We'll, we, we'll try to stick with Michigan State. I'm trying to think of more. But we got G-Ball, Irvin Baldwin, the defensive end. G-Ball. I don't know where you get a G from, <laughs> from his name from, but Ir- Irving Ball. Maybe it's Irving. Irving Baldwin. So maybe they call him G-Ball because yeah. his first name ends with a G. But, yeah, there it is. Sports nicknames. Ne- Nemo, Nehemiah Warwick. Devin Showtime Thomas. Got to love that one. A buck fifty-six in receiving. He's eighth, I believe, in the nation now in receiving yards, and he's just a great football player. But while we wait for your tons of emails to pour in, I'm sure I'm sure you're in the inbox right now, just typing away to me at wdbmsports at gmail dot com. Well, we got to get to the Michigan and Notre Dame situation next week. The toilet bowl, two zero and two teams, the two winningest teams in college football history. Is the game going to be televised? Uh, I guess they just carried it on. on Possibly the Big Ten Network. Obviously, well, no, no, Notre Dame's got the TV deal, right? NBC. I don't even know when this yeah, game's on. They might or, be canceling that contract or, soon. Or do I care? <laughs> uh, but has Notre Dame? This is the question. Michigan. They're they're in a whole mess of their own. We we know. That I'm so amped for November second when Michigan State and Michigan square off. <laughs> I, I almost don't want to work. I, I want to be a part of the student station, but I, but I have to work. But but Michigan and Michigan say what a game that is going to be if things continue as positive as they are and I, and I have a a good feeling that they will be. And it, 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 but we go to Notre Dame, zero and two on the season. They haven't won a bowl game in their last nine tries. Has Notre Dame really improved since hiring Charlie Wise? But hey, before we get to our thoughts on Charlie Wise, we're going to the phone lines, serving the public. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. What's up? Hey, this is D.D. from Clinton Township. Uh... On the uh, Michigan uh, issue, uh, what uh, you're missing uh, down there in Ann Arbor is uh, they have uh, set a couple of records uh, lately for uh, academic achievement. They have the most people ever to uh, sign up for a short course by uh, visiting professors. It's called Humility 101. uh, Taught by Oregon. Uh, It's a good course that uh, is much needed in uh, in uh, the uh, land of maize and blue of uh, humility, and uh, hey, we hope that the course offering continues. Hey, we, have a great. We night. appreciate your call. We got some comedians out there. What was that? What was that course? Hum- humility, humility one hundred and one. Humility one hundred and one. Taught by visiting professors Appalachian State and Oregon. <laughs> there it is. Golly, keep them coming. WDBMSports at gmail The phone open for about four more, three, four more minutes. I might go past eight tonight. Give me 801. Just give me 801. 517 432 
3893. Back to the question. Has Notre Dame really improved under Charlie Weiss, the inventor of football? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, with the loss of <laughs> Brady Quinn, I mean, you, that's how you should measure him. And uh, he hasn't really uh, turned that franchise around, you know, that well. The franchise <laughs> you're, you're stuck on the NFL. Huh? Yeah, Because you're thinking of Brady, <laughs> yeah. hold out Quinn. Yeah. Stick with the nicknames. But uh, in three, isn't isn't year three in college football head coaching positions? Isn't year three that really that pivot yeah, year that you really need to perform? To it's year three. So so why did they why did they extend Charlie Weiss's contract from the jump? Maybe that <laughs> preconceived winning they had against Navy and Army and Stanford, <laughs> but Notre Dame has not really improved since Tyrone Willingham left, former Spartan, by the way. If you didn't know that. But I think Notre, Notre Dame may have been well off. With, they should have just kept him, Ty, Ty mm-hmm. Willingham. And then they're paying out of their ears for Charlie Weiss. <laughs> who, no production. Who comes, the food budget must what, be. Wasn't it, uh, we'll, we're going to preview Notre Dame next week. We'll get there. But, man, I'm so amped. We cannot look past Pitt because I know that Mark D'Antonio and his staff are not looking past Pitt. But, boy, do I want to get into Notre Dame. Because did you remember the rumor last year when Charlie Weiss – Apparently or ale- allegedly said something along the lines of, "When as the head coach of Notre Dame, I will never lose to Michigan State again." <laughs> Guess what, Charlie Weiss? You will lose September twenty second. Is that another guarantee from a Michigan a native? A Michigan native, Dan Duggar, is guaranteed in two weeks. Michigan State will beat Notre Dame down to Notre Dame. I'll be there to witness it. And boy, will I be ecstatic. It's be all over the internet now, Dan. Oh, golly. <laughs> uh, but Henny out. Mike Hart guarantees victory for the Wolverines. Take your favorite Michigan-Notre Dame Saturday. I definitely got to root for Notre Dame. Anytime I can root against Michigan, you got to root against Michigan. Brigitte, who are you taking, Michigan or Notre Dame? I think Michigan will win just because it's going to be a battle between which of the young quarterbacks makes the least amount of mistakes. And I think because Hart has the run game and Notre Dame has scored like six points of offense in their last two outings, got to take Michigan. But I'm rooting for Notre Dame, though. Look at Brigitte. Brigitte, Brigitte coming hard. This is it's top of the hour, so i got to say our station call letters. WDBM 88.9 FM. This is the Impact East Lansing. This is it. Spartan Sports Wrap is over. But guess what, Brigitte? Great point to close it out. Way to come strong. The closer, Rivera, right here. for <laughs> Ray, finish the game, you know? For Ray Mara, Brigitte Troy, and I'm Dan Duggar. We're back next Monday with your official Pittsburgh wrap-up. Michigan State Pitt, Saturday noon. See ya! been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.